we haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. This is our third and final week of this series that we're calling Head and Heart. I think churches, uh, it's really, really easy for us to communicate a lot of information. And it's easy to sit in a seat and just hear a lot of information, but how often does that information translate into transformation? See, sometimes we're so stuck in our head with these ideas that it never invades our heart. And so what we want to do is we want to create these experiences where we're not just communicating information, but we're also creating a moment and creating an opportunity where you can step in and participate with us as a church. Because church, it's not an event. Church, it's not a place where you just come to listen to someone or just come to sing songs. Church is people. Church is family. And we do these spiritual practices together. Uh, And this has been a really cool series for us. Uh, This is something that we've tried uh, that we've never really done before. So thank you for journeying with us the last three weeks uh, with a little bit of a change of pace. Um, And can we give it up to these guys on stage? Because it's easy to kind of uh, not fully appreciate just what they've done every week, being on stage twice on a Sunday as volunteers. Uh, And you guys don't know when they step off stage, their fingers are creased with guitar strings and calloused, uh, hands cramped from keyboards, legs numb from standing for an hour, two hours. Um, And I've loved having a soundtrack to our experiences. Because for me, I think music is one of those things that you can't describe it with words, what it does to our hearts, what it does to our souls. It, It does something. It gives a rhythm to the conversation we're having. It gives us a feeling to the conversation we're having. Uh, And so I'm so appreciative of you guys, and I've loved having you guys share the stage for this series so much. So today, we're going to really talk about this beautiful, holy, misunderstood tradition in the church that has been practiced for 2,000 years, and it's the tradition of confession. And while we're not going to make you get up on stage and confess all the skeletons in your closet. What I'm really hoping is that today we have the courage to let some of those skeletons surface. That we have the courage to allow some of those things that are going on in our hearts, that are going on in our head, to surface. And throughout today, if those things begin to surface, rather than doing what we normally do and suppress those things or push it back down, What I want you to do is I want you to take this slip of paper and take that pen and I want you to write it down. I want you to write down what that thing is that's surfacing, what that guilt is, what that shame is. And I know you're probably thinking like, are you kidding me? Like this tiny piece of paper, right? I could fill a whole journal. But fill as much as you can. Don't suppress that guilt, don't suppress that shame, but allow it to come out. So quick confession, does anyone ever struggle with guilt, feeling guilty? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember when I took Gallup Strengths Finder, it said my number two strength was responsibility, which means that I live in a constant state of guilt. 
all the time because I always feel irresponsible. I always feel like I'm dropping the ball somewhere. I always feel like I'm letting someone down. And I just feel this inner turmoil that I'm always guilty of something. On Thursday, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we take our son Manny to preschool. uh, And we have to drop him off at 9 a.m. and pick him up at 11.30, which is a super convenient time for two parents that work full time. Right? And so whenever I work, I need to, like, get in the zone. And whenever I get in the zone, I find that I can work really fast, really efficient. So my goal every time I sit down to work is, okay, how can I get in the zone? How can I get rid of distractions? And how can I just press on? And so on Thursday, I did that. I got in the zone. And then I looked at the clock, and the clock said 11.41. And I live 15 minutes from Manny's preschool. So at the earliest, I was going to be a half an hour late. And so I ran out the door, and I'm flying down the road, uh, feeling guilty for my speeding and for cutting people off. And the whole time I'm driving down to get my son, I'm feeling so irresponsible. I'm feeling so guilty. I'm feeling so bad. And I just begin to belittle myself. Like, you're so stupid. How could you forget? You're so dumb. You're such a moron. And I remember just thinking in that moment how ironic it was writing a message about guilt and shame. And I'm spending my whole car ride guilting and shaming myself. But how often do we do that to ourselves? And for what cost? At what cost? Because when I got there and I picked up Manny, uh, the teacher said, it's not a big deal. Which it wasn't, because in the scope of things, it's not that big of a deal. I'm probably not going to remember that in a year's time. The teacher's probably not going to remember that in a year's time. And she said, they may charge you an extra $5 for being late. And I remember thinking, man, I did a lot more than $5 damage to my soul. I did a lot more than $5 damage to my heart and to my head. See, the thing with guilt and shame is uh, it can become so toxic. Guilt and shame isn't always uh, a bad thing. It is something that helps us as human beings, right? If someone murders someone, I want them to feel guilty for that so that they don't do it again. If a kid... If a kid at school bullies my son or bullies your kid, don't you want them to feel a little bit of shame that they did those things? See, guilt and shame, it helps us with our moral compass, right? But whenever we begin to fester that guilt, fester that shame, or whenever we begin to associate that as who we are, as our character, they start to become toxic. See, and the thing with guilt and shame, what a lot of us have experienced is it can be used as manipulation against us. They did this study where they had a group of people, and in the morning they made them feel really, really guilty. And then at night they put them in a, in a group of people where they went out to eat, and the bill at the restaurant was $9 short. So what they found across the board is that people who were made to feel guilty always chipped in more money when they found out that the bill is $9 short. Because there's something in us when we feel guilty, when we feel bad, we want to do something to fix it. We want to step into a place where, okay, I I feel bad, so I need to try to do something so I don't feel so much guilt or shame anymore. And I'm sure a room this size, there's people in this room that have been guilted and shamed and manipulated by religion. You know, there's groups that do a really, really good job at guilting you and shaming you because when you feel guilty, when you feel ashamed, you're very easily manipulated. 
And a lot of us, we have this baggage, we have these things with guilt and shame uh, that we want to just push down. And so today, I want us to be brave enough to let those things surface. Let those things surface so that we can really process and deal with them today. Because when we look around the world, we realize the world isn't the way that it should be. And when we look at our own lives, we realize it's not the way that it should be. Why? Why? And that's why for me, I found so much comfort. Uh, And I found myself in the Genesis story, Genesis chapter 3, the story of Adam and Eve. And Chris is going to read that story for us. And when she reads it, instead of just reading this as a historical account, let's read it and let's put ourselves in those characters. Let's put ourselves in Adam's shoes. Let's put ourselves in Eve's shoes. And let's see if God begins to really speak to us through that. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Have you ever heard a small voice tempting you, lying to you? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Have you you ever felt like your head was arguing with itself? You will not certainly die, the servant said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Have you ever felt like you knew better than God? Like he messed up? And if you were in charge, you would have done things differently. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Have you ever given in to the voice calling you to less? She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. How does your heart attempt to cover your guilt and shame? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Is the sin in your life causing you to hide from God? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Who are you passing blame on for your guilt, your sin? Here's the deal. For thousands and thousands of years, humanity has tried to figure out a way to deal with this problem. This is not new. This is not foreign. This is the human experience, is that we look around the world and we realize things aren't right. We look inside ourselves and we realize things aren't right. Uh, And so if you put yourself in the place of a person who lives, let's say, five, six thousand years ago, right, you don't have uh, the scriptures to guide you. So all you know is that really good things come from the sky, right? You have rain that comes from the sky. You have the sun that comes from the sky. You have weather that comes from the sky. So what you know is that good things come from the sky and bad things seem to die and just stay in the dirt forever. Right? And so for thousands and thousands of years, uh, humanity has tried to figure out a way to make sure that the good things that are coming from the sky keep coming. Right? Because as long as the rain keeps coming but doesn't come too much, as long as the sun keeps coming but not too much, uh, your crops will grow. Uh, your animals will give birth. And these good things will happen. And so what humans started to do was farmers, they would take their crops from their harvest and they would take a portion of it and they would light those on fire because they would say the smoke would be pleasing to these gods who are above and they would sort of disintegrate and die into the soil below so that hopefully the rains will keep coming, the sun won't scorch everything. And so this practice began, right? But then think about it, right? Think about it this way. So what happens when you have a larger harvest the next year? You can't give the same offering to the beings who are in control of these things, so you need to give more. Or what happens if a famine hits, right? You've obviously offended these gods, and so you need to give more. And so there's ways that humanity has tried to figure out, how can I give more? And there's evidence that some of the prophets of Baal, which was one of the gods who was in the land of Canaan, which we find in the Old Testament, 
um, which is really modern-day Israel. And some of these prophets of Baal, they would take it a step further and they would cut themselves for their God. Because they said, like, how can we give more than an animal sacrifice? How can we give more than a grain sacrifice? But begin to sacrifice sort of our own blood, our own life force flowing through our veins. There's evidence that in the Aztec capital of Tecnoctitlan, I can never say that right, but forgive me. But there was human sacrifice, human sacrifice. So there's this problem that we've had in our society where we realize that we want these good things to keep coming. And we feel guilty. We feel like it's on us when these good things aren't coming. And so we, we as humans, we've tried to figure out ways to keep those good things coming from these gods up above. And I wonder today if we are that much different than those who lived five, 6,000 years ago. I wonder if how often in your own life When something bad happens, do you firstly say to yourself, God, why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? How can I fix this? What do I need to do to fix this? If we're truly honest with ourselves, how often do we give money to church or give money to charity, kind of hoping in the back of our minds, God will give us that raise? How often do we do good things and do good deeds hoping to get on God's good side so that he will bless us? How often do we actually find ourselves in that very pagan place? So the ancient uh, Hebrews, right? God appears to this group of people He actually appeared to this man in Genesis chapter 12, right? So right at the beginning, this first first man in this line is this man, Abraham. And God makes this promise to Abraham. He says, your descendants are going to be a blessing to the world. Your descendants, Abraham, are going to be a blessing to the world. And then he says to Abraham, he says, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me, Abraham, and be blameless. And then we find generations later, we find this man, Moses, right? One of the descendants of Abraham. And so Moses uh, receives, uh, he, he delivers the Israelite people out of Egypt. And then God gives him a way, gives the people a way to walk and be blameless with God. And we find this in Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, starting in verse 5, it says... It, it really, the title of this section is the Day of Atonement. And so the Day of Atonement is a huge day in the life of a Jew because this is the day that really they can be blameless. This is the day that God is going to choose to forgive the sins of the people as a whole. And so then God is going to give them instructions. This is, this is what you need to do in order to be blameless. This is what you need to do in order to, 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 for the releasing and the forgiveness of your sins, of these wrongs, as it says. From the Israelite community, he, the priest, is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make an atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. 
One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But he is but the goat chosen by lots as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So you have one goat that's meant to be slaughtered, this innocent goat. And then you have another goat that's meant to be cast out as this scapegoat. You take this goat and you place the sins of the people on this goat and you cast it out of the community because it goes on to say in verse 20, when Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of this live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all the sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it in the wilderness. The man shall release it in the wilderness. Uh, So traditionally, they would have a Gentile, a non-Jew, take that goat into the wilderness because who would want to take that goat that is carrying the sins of the people? Who would want to be near that thing? No one, right? So a Gentile would typically go out with this goat. So today, we have a couple live goats, and we're going to do that, right? (laughs) Some nervous laughter. Right? You laugh because, of course, we're not going to do that. Right? Of course, we're not going to do that. Why? Why? Because this is a foreshadowing of something that is to come. This is a foreshadowing of, of something beautiful that God is going to do throughout all the world. Because here's the reality of the situation is that God does not need blood to forgive your sins. This is the reality. God does not need sacrifice in order to forgive your sins. And we find this in the book of Hebrews. It says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year. Make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And then it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It is impossible, right? Because God is a God that we don't have to do these things in order to have his favor, we don't, have to, we don't have to constantly sacrifice and sacrifice in order to get him to like us and to love us, right? Because God himself became a sacrifice. So it's not our sacrifice to God, but God sacrificed himself for us so that we can experience this covering of our sin. And Jesus can be the last scapegoat that all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame was put on him at the cross once and forever. And that is a free gift. That is a free gift for us today. 
And all that God really asks of us is really this holy, sacred act of confession. That we will be honest with ourselves and we'll be honest with what's happening and that we will allow God to, like what we said in that last song, search our heart, O God, so that these things will begin to surface inside of us and we can ask forgiveness for them. See, the scriptures say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. But that doesn't mean that we no longer sin, right? I often wonder why Jesus was so hard on the religious people uh, when you read through the Gospels. He seems so gracious with these sinners and he hangs out with sinners. He hangs out with prostitutes and tax collectors, the despised of society. And he seems so gentle with them. And then he gets around a hyper-religious person. He's very, he seems almost angry. Seems almost vile at times. But it really clicked with me is sin is just simply an awareness issue. Because what we have to realize is that we are all sinners. And this one group of people, they totally recognize their brokenness and their sinfulness. And this other group, they have no idea of their brokenness and their sinfulness. So I wonder today, do you recognize your brokenness? Do you recognize your sinfulness? There's this beautiful Hebrew word, teshuva. Teshuva means to turn. Teshuva, to turn back. To turn back to the path. To turn back to the place that God originally intended us to be. When we see this Genesis story, to turn back to that place where we were in communion with God. To turn back to the place where we can eat from the tree of life and we can walk and be blameless with God. See, teshuva often in the scriptures gets translated as repent. And many of us in this room, we hear words like sin, we hear words like repent, and it almost like causes a visceral reaction inside because we can picture all those angry people in our lives who say, sinner, repent, sinner, repent. But this word teshuva, it simply means to turn, to turn back, to turn to the place God originally intended us to be, to walk and be blameless in communion with him. See, because the reality is, is that we need to recognize our brokenness and recognize our sinfulness. And teshuva is a recognition of our sinfulness. It's a recognition of those things. So I wonder today, what is God surfacing inside of you? What guilt is he bringing? What shame is he bringing? What sins is he bringing to the surface in your life? Because not often do we reflect on these things because a lot of times we just want to repress them and push them down. But really what I want to see happen today is I want you to walk out of this room today full of hope and healing. So I want us to kind of practice what we did a little bit last week. And I want you, as we're practicing that, as allow God to speak to your head, allow God to speak to your heart. And if anything surfaces inside, write it down on this slip of paper. Write it down on this slip of paper. 
So would you guys stand with me? I want us to corporately pray together. And I want us to read this psalm out loud. Uh, It's one of my favorite psalms. It's Psalm 139. Do we have that on the slide? There we go. And so I want us to repeat these words just out loud together. So would you say these words with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And just like last week, I want us to say these words again, but I want us to say them this time in a whisper. And don't worry so much about being in unison, but just worry about these words actually permeating and penetrating your heart and allowing this to actually be a prayer today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you allow God in this moment to actually search you? To search your heart, search your head and your mind, and to search your soul. If something, if anything surfaces, feel the freedom to open your eyes and write it down on this slip of paper. This guilt, this shame, this regret, this addiction, this sin in your life that you know is destroying you or destroying people around you. Would you allow God to test you and actually know every thought Because there's so much power in this moment to actually naming those things that are surfacing. To not generalize that, but name it. <laughs> name it and own it by writing it on this slip of paper. God, search us. Test us know every thought in our head. Would you open your eyes? So during the last song, we're going to create an opportunity for you, really in this moment, to allow this piece of paper to free you, to free you from that sin, to free you from that guilt, to free you from that shame. And so there's a couple candles up front and there's a bowl and I wonder if anyone really wants to experience the freedom by taking that guilt, taking that shame, taking that sin that you know you're experiencing in your life and coming up and placing it on the candle. This is a unique piece of paper. The thing about this piece of paper is it's, it's a piece of paper that burns and leaves no ash. 
It just simply disappears. Uh, it's just simply gone. And it's kind of bright, it's kind of a flash, but uh, if you're afraid of fire, feel the freedom to just place it in the bowl. But if you feel brave enough, uh, it's kind of like a wick on a firework. And then it's gone. Right? Or for you, it's like you could simply just set it on that flame and extinguish the fire. <laughs> oh, it worked earlier, but it did not work that time. But if you want to just simply set it in the bowl, that's fine. We'll relight it. But I wonder, like, what do you need to be freed from today? What are those things that you are owning, that you are writing on that slip of paper that you need to declare and say, God, I want to be forgiven. God, I want healing. God, I want hope. I want to walk out of here today and I want to walk with you and be blameless. That's my prayer today. If that's you, would you join me in singing and worshiping and really allowing God to offer that forgiveness to you today in this beautiful act of confession that is an act that Christians and followers of Jesus have done for thousands and thousands of years, that we daily confess these things to God, to Jesus.
Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your lives from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things. that your youth will be renewed like eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made, his, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our sins from us. Man, my prayer today is that that weight is lifted off your shoulders that you will recognize that truth, that just like that slip of paper that disappears, that your transgressions and those things that you confess, those things that you confess, those are gone, right? Those are gone. And I don't know if we always understand that, but they are gone as far as the east is from the west. Feel the freedom today. Walk out with your head high. Don't walk down feeling the weight of your burdens anymore because you don't need a slip of paper. You don't need a fire. You don't need a goat. Jesus was our last scapegoat. Jesus was the sacrifice. God was the sacrifice so that we can embrace that freedom today. Teshuva, would you say that out loud with me now? Teshuva. One more time, Teshuva, turn, this beautiful, holy act of turning back to God. That we can step into this every day, every moment, to live a life that says, search me, O God, in every moment. Test me and know my anxious thoughts in every moment. And lead me on the path of everlasting life starting today, starting now, in every moment. Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his smile on you and give you peace. Let's go in peace. Let's go with our head held high. Get that weight off our shoulders today. Have a great day, Mosaic.